Good evening, fight fans. This is the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And this is our TV party tonight, extra boxing coverage. Saul Alvarez, otherwise known as Canelo, versus Daniel Jacobs for the middleweight title unification. Uh, here to... Just here to commentate on this fight with me is Pat Mullen, and shortly we'll also be joined by Robert Winfrey as soon as he wraps up MMA coverage. How are you doing tonight, Pat? I am doing well, Mark. I am excited to see something we haven't seen in a while. That's an undisputed title fight in one of the staple divisions. I am ready. All right. Uh, I don't know how much of the earlier fight you saw. Lamont Roach defeated Demont Roach Jr. defeated uh, Jonathan Aquendo by unanimous decision. Uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. another Jr. defeated Freddie Fonseca. It was a seventh round TKO. The corner stopped the fight. I believe, if I got the names right here, Virgil Ortiz just defeated Mauricio Herrera. Um, I want to say by. Uh, by knockout by vicious by vicious one punch knockout outstanding good stuff so what do you think so far and and uh, give me your thoughts on this fight which is happening on DAZN uh, which you can either pay a hundred bucks for a year and get it a little bit cheaper or twenty bucks a month uh, we're giving it a test run tonight here as we do this uh, boxing coverage so yeah give me your thoughts on tonight's fights here and you were also watching the fight on ESPN. Go ahead and fill our our listeners in on what's going on there, because if they're watching DAZN, I believe you said D definitely DVR the ESPN card. Uh, for sure. So the ESPN card that we are not doing commentary over at the moment, that's obvious. It's not on ESPN Plus. It's actually on good old regular ESPN. So you can watch that on basic cable on uh, Sling, I think it's available. Uh, but it's a really great card. It's Arthur Bietterbeck, Betty Road, Kajajic. Say those names three times fast. Both of them are two of the top ten light heavyweights in the world. Bietterbeck holds the IPF light heavyweight championship. Um, basically is considered on the same level as your Sergei Kovalev's really top tier light heavyweight. Uh, Alexander Rozik being another one. This is a fight to watch. Uh, the opening bout of the card Derwin Ancajas, who was the athlete of the year of Philippines last year, and Ryuchi Kanai of Japan put on a barn burner for the IBF Junior Bantamweight title in the opener. That one, I cannot stress enough how much fun it was to watch. Outstanding. All right, so let's switch back over to DAZN here, our Canelo versus Jacobs card. Uh, have, you had, have you had the opportunity to watch any of the undercard fights tonight? So I got to step in during the Virgil Ortiz Mauricio Herrera fight, and uh, you know Ortiz is looked at as a guy who is potentially a world champion, and Herrera was seen as somebody who's going to make him work and test him a little bit. Uh, not expected to beat him, but make him, like I said, make him work, make him have to put rounds in, make him have to put an effort to get an offense off. Herrera's older, you know, he's on the B side of his career. He's probably best known for a very controversial loss he took to Danny Garcia back in 2014 for the undisputed junior welterweight title in Puerto Rico. Uh, most observers, myself included, had Herrera winning that fight by a pretty comfortable margin only to see Danny Jacobs get away with the titles and Herrera never contending for a world title again. 
Um, he was older here. He was really, you know, he was visibly soft around the midsection. But I was still impressed by what I saw from Ortiz. Guy has tremendous power, great finishing instincts. Uh, and, and to this point, Herrera in his career had never been stopped. He ate a vicious right hand that really put him out. It was impressive. Outstanding. All right, now let's go over to our MMA desk as the UFC had a UFC Plus card. A UFC on ESPN Plus card tonight. Al Strong Island Iaquinta versus Cowboy Donald Cerrone. Ladies and gentlemen, with the MMA coverage, the Howard Liederman of our three-man broadcast, it's Robert Winfrey. How do you do, sir? Yeah, I kind of want to die after that card. <laughs> it's, it's, always, it's always happy times when you join the broadcast. Well, look, look, no, no, no. Not a joke. That card, top to bottom, was like deep-fried ass. Oh, boy. And yeah. I've seen a deep-fried ass or two in my time. So you want, to know how many, you want to know how many fights on this card were actually worth watching? Uh, it was Walt Harris or nothing? Two. <laughs> okay. And, and to be fair, that's two out of how many? Twelve. Ooh. All right. If, if main, you... main, main event was good. Cerrone and Iaquinta, solid five-round fight. Both guys, very disciplined performance from Cerrone. Uh, and Ally Quintus is just one unbelievably tough human being. Yeah, he, was, he, he ate was, some shots. Yeah, I was like, he really went toe to toe with Cerrone, and, and I mean, I mean, he took some he took some good shots, and he came away bloody. But he gave you know, but he gave it his all. Uh, he did. Uh, Cerrone did win by unanimous decision, didn't he? We didn't. The the judges from this Canelo fight weren't there to give it to Ayakinta, were they? No, no. Uh, Cerrone wins you, uh, unanimous decision. Two forty nine forty fives, one forty nine forty six. My score was forty nine forty six for the record. No, for whatever ten, that's worth. No, no ten eight rounds, huh? I think you could make an if they were under the new scoring criteria, you could make an argument for I believe it was the fourth when he when Cerrone dropped him with a couple of front kicks to the face. Wasn't that the one he also dropped him with a jab? Uh, no, that was a different round. Okay. I think that was the third. Uh, again, under the new scoring criteria, you can make a 10-8 argument. Under the old one, I don't know. I, I have a much harder time justifying that, utilizing that, the language, and the, again, the language and the scoring criteria that are present under the old unified rules of MMA. All right, well, 50 words or less, if you can sum up the rest of this deep-fried ass, do it for us, and then we'll get back to boxing. Uh, okay, tell you what, let's go just buy the card. So that was the first fight. Co-main event, Derek Brunson versus Elias Theodoro. Ass. <laughs> Shane Burgos versus Cub Swanson. This was the only other good fight on this card. This was a good fight. These two guys came to fight. They had some good adjustments. This was a good fight. Um, Marab Dwalish really versus Brad Katona. Sucked. Watched one round. That's had the entire fight. Walt Harris defeated Sergey Spivak via TKO in the first round. This sucked because Walt Harris sucks. The only guys, not a joke, the only people Walt Harris has wins over in the UFC are people no longer with the UFC. It, 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 like the combined record of people he's officially beaten in the UFC in the UFC is like 0-26. Oh, my. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but the point, like, I think they have like one win between all of them. Maybe two. I think Asker has a win, and I think Cody Eastman had a win, and that's it. Uh, yeah. Walt Harris sucks. Anyone who loses to him is even worse. Andrew Sanchez defeated 
Mark Andrade Barriol via unanimous decision. Andrew Sanchez sucks. If he wins a fight, it probably sucks. This fight sucks. Uh, Macy Chason put a beating on Sarah Morris. Um, if you like one-sided fights, okay, but other than that, this was a glorified squash match. Vince Morales defeated Eamon Zahabi via unanimous decision. This fight sucked. Eamon Zahabi is like the personification of his brother's philosophy on fighting, which is low activity, and then bitch about a decision. Nordin Taleb defeated Kyle Prepolek via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Utterly forgettable, but probably the second best fight on this card. Yeah, third best. Matt Sales defeated Kyle Nelson via arm triangle choke in the third round. Meh. Very slow fight. <laughs> Okay. Um, Arjun Buller defeated Juan Adams via unanimous decision. Good God, kill me now. I never want to see either of these guys fight again. Ever. And Cole Smith defeated Mitch Gagnon via unanimous decision. Um, this was a lot of meh. I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't remember anything about that fight. This sounds like one of those cards where you covered it because you were paid to, not because you enjoy MMA. That would be correct. <laughs> I do it for the big, big checks I get every month. Sure. Hey, I heard you say you had to put new tires on your car. You got to earn it, baby. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's only a $400 expense. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we'll, go, we'll go into plugs at the end of the broadcast here. In the meantime, while we Pat had to step away from the, from the boxing desk for just a moment. So go ahead. Now, we often joke on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network that uh, Canelo often gets gifted decisions because he, because now that Floyd Mayweather has retired and uh, Conor McGregor shit the bed as a boxer, he's the only bankable pay-per-view star left in boxing, and now he's kind of, you know, he's the boy. He He's the... He's the lead here for DAZN. You know, they're trying to sell this app to people. And Considering how much they're paying Canelo, yeah, they're going to make sure he wins. So, we, you know, we joke that no matter who's fighting, no matter what's, what's happening, Canelo always wins. That's, that's the joke. Ha ha. But let's, let's try to be serious for just a moment in, the, uh, you know, in, the, uh, in honor of Lance Fine, Storm. Canelo Alvarez... Fine, Canelo Alvarez should have lost two out of his last three fights. He was gifted decisions. I trying to move forward here. Uh, so tonight he takes on Daniel Jacobs. Now, tell me what you think about this fight. Um, what do you think of Daniel Jacobs as an opponent? All things being equal, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, you just kind of you can't set me up like that and not have me go one hundred and twenty to negative five million for Canelo Alvarez after twelve <laughs> rounds. I I said all things being equal. I don't know if you missed that part. Oh, all things being equal, meaning assuming competent judging. Yes, assuming eh, Canelo, assuming, Canelo probably still wins. Assuming Clucky is a bucket of chicken, and we have and we have judges that are not uh, blind or paid off. You, Canelo, you said Canelo will probably win, but give me a little bit nah, on Daniel. He Jacobs. probably still wins. Okay, what does the average person listening to this podcast for me and you to argue about movies need to know about Daniel Jacobs, other than he's taller than Canelo? He's taller, he's bigger. Uh, Daniel Jacobs is the more natural uh, middleweight out of the two. In fact, I don't know if you and Pat talked about this before. We didn't. We really have. This is you, you are 
first to the mic. Well, while Daniel Jacobs didn't miss weight, oh god, Canelo doing that hold me back, doing that hold me back, no let me go routine with his cornerman is hilarious. <laughs> Uh, they had a while Daniel Jacobs did not miss weight on the scale there was apparently a clause in place for this contract where both on fight night could not rehydrate could not weigh more than a certain than a certain amount I forget what exactly it was I want to say 170 something around those lines again I, I could be mistaken so don't quote me on that and Jacobs did not make that particular weight limit for the, you know, the, the again the second weigh in so to speak so one of Canelo's titles is not on the line. I believe I it's forget which one. The IVF title is what uh, friend of the show Gavin Napier said earlier. Here, I'll pull it up real quick. Okay. Yeah, I, I assume it would be the IBF and the others are still kind of up for grabs. Again, Jacobs is the bigger guy, uh, but I don't know how he's going to fare against Canelo's... You know, kind of being Canelo, I mean... I give the guy a lot of grief, and in some respects, it's kind of a shame that he is such a promotional favorite and gets all this preferential treatment, because the man can actually fight. I don't think he beat Gennady Golovkin, mind you, but I don't. I think that's the only decision, those are the only decisions on his record I take issue with. Other than that, I think he's pretty legitimate as far as you know, all of his wins. But I'm, I am not as you know, up to speed on all the details of his career as I should be, so... My apologies for that. Uh, Jacobs. I mean, Jacobs only has losses to Gennady Golovkin and then earlier in his career to Dmitry uh, Pirog. I mean, it's not like Jacobs is a can, mind you, but... I mean, he's since that loss to Golovkin, if you look at the guys he's fought, uh, he's just... I don't know. I, I just I'm not sure he's going to be able to deal with the power that Alvarez brings. I'm not sure he's going to be able to deal with the body work that Alvarez tends to bring into these kinds of fights. And I think Jacobs is probably a bit more flat on his feet than Alvarez is. And considering that Alvarez can be very very flat on his feet, that's saying something. Me too. All right, joining us back here on the broadcast desk is the one and only Pat Mullen. Pat. All right, I've, uh, I've, we talked to Robert Winfrey about his thoughts about what Daniel Jacobs needs to do to survive in a fight with uh, Canelo Alvarez. Here's the setup. The judges are not clucky. They are actually competent people. They are not blind. They are not crippled. They are not retarded. Uh, so taking that out of the equation, one, how do you see this fight going? Two, what does Daniel Jacobs have to do to get an uh, underdog victory over the golden boy, as it were, Mr. Cinnamon, Canelo Alvarez. I know that conventional wisdom says that he doesn't want to go toe-to-toe with Canelo. He doesn't want to stand there and exchange with him. He doesn't want to be right in front of him. He wants to move. He wants to utilize lateral movement, give head and shoulder feints. I disagree. I think he should take the fight to Canelo. Canelo has great difficulty with two kinds of fighters. Very slick, defensive-minded counterpunchers. Or guys who assault him with a good stiff jab who come forward and make him have to figure them out and how to fight back. Because if there's one thing Canelo doesn't do well, it's simultaneous offense and defense. Daniel Jacobs is never going to be confused for Floyd Mayweather or Slandy Lara. But what Daniel Jacobs does have is good, solid, 
not one punch power, but he has good power that makes anybody respect him, and he has a long, stiff jab. Get that off. Make Canelo have to figure you out and get past it because he's not – and when he does get past you, he's not going to be ready to attack immediately. So you can clock him with a good shot inside, tie him up, and force a break. That's what I think the key for Daniel Jacobs is going to be. All right. Now, by the same token, the, the, the fix is in. The judges are paid for. Canelo wins 240 to negative 50. What does Daniel Jacobs have to do to even make these asshole judges or take it even out of the judges' hands and get a KO, TKO victory? Well, you know, the argument's been made that the reason Canelo is favored in these decisions, all political maneuvering aside, will pretend that's not real, is they say it's because his punches land visibly clean. And what that means is a lot of the good work that's done inside or a lot of the work that's done outside is not credited by the judges if it's not seen making contact flush. So what Danny Jacobs has to do is, in those exchanges when he does good work, gets something going, what he's got to do to follow up with it is, even if it's landed on the gloves, on the shoulder, he's got to finish these exchanges with something loud and something visible in those areas so the judges can see it. And what they'll usually do is, even if the first three, four punches before it don't land, if that one behind the end lands, even if it's blocked, they'll credit you for what was done before that, even if it's not accurate. Here's my question, my follow-up question to you. What do you guys think of this? Now, what I'm hearing both of you say is that Daniel Jacobs has to stay busy, busier than Canelo. He has to keep throwing punches, He's going to have to have the wind for that. Is this a guy that can that can uh, cardiovascularly go the difference and be busier and keep up the pace, press every round like it's his last? I'll go to you first, Pat. I think he is. And I think I've seen him come back from circumstances where a lot of guys wouldn't have. There's not a lot of guys who Gennady Golovkin drops early in a fight who come on and fight harder and stronger after that happens. He's done that. I also think that, you know, the point's been made about him weighing in three pounds over the agreed-upon day-of weight limit. That's to his advantage in his stamina department. He's not draining himself or dehydrating himself to cut those extra three pounds that he had on. That's going to work to his advantage for both his stamina and his endurance. Robert Winfrey, your thoughts, sir? I agree with Pat largely. I think the other thing that can work to his credit – but especially if he needs to just kind of stay busy. I think he needs to, again, it's not just him staying busy. He has to make Canelo work. And I think that's something he can do. I think if he's smart about how he wants to engage, then I think he can make Canelo swing a lot. And I think he can make him miss a lot. Uh, that is certainly within his wheelhouse. I again, That's not necessarily what I'm expecting to happen, but... That's not a skill set that is completely foreign to him if he chooses to employ it here. They just showed the tail of the tape, and Daniel Jacobs has about a three-inch reach advantage over Canelo. Pat, what does that mean to you? Canelo, because uh, to me that seems to be that Can- Canelo's going to have to get inside in order to score points. What do you say? Uh, not necessarily. It all depends on how Daniel Jacobs is able to utilize that reach. If he can get that jab off first, and if he can put something behind it to make Canelo worry about it. If Canelo chooses the jab with Danny Jacobs, 
and Danny is not following with more than one jab or a right hand behind it, Canelo's going to be able to out-jab him and take that length away. Yeah, I think we all know at least three fighters off the top of our heads that have a numerical advantage when it comes to length and reach and then just don't ever fight like they have it. Gosh, what was the guy in MMA who was super... Oh, uh, Stefan Struve. Yeah, Stefan Struve had like a mile-long reach in almost anybody he fought, and half the time fought like he was a midget. Yep, that's one of them. Um, there's, there was a big, there's a big Russian boxer whose name escapes me. You're not thinking of Nikolai Valuev, are you? I might be. Uh, yeah, I, I, there was a big guy from like the 90s, uh, had as much hair on his back as he did on his chest. Uh, very, very large man, well over six feet tall, and rangy, but just never really kind of put everything together as far as utilizing it to any sort of degree. Yeah, you're thinking of Valuev, Robert. Okay. What do you think about that, Pat? Is he uh, is he on the money there, or would you disagree? I, I think he's correct. I think there's a lot of guys who don't utilize their reach correctly. I've seen Danny Jacobs get into fights where normally what would be a very advantageous scenario for him, he goes and fights inside, and sometimes it works for him. It worked for him against Kid Chocolate Quillen, where he rushed him, got inside, did great work, and ended it in the first round, which nobody expected. What's going to happen is he's going to be faced here with a guy who he's not going to take out in the first round. So if he does go that way and choose to back him up and try to get some respect, it's going to be real interesting to see how that pays off and how much danger he's willing to put himself in. So let me ask you, Pat, do you like this fight for Canelo? I mean, you know, as far as championship fights go, Daniel Jacobs a worthy contender? Aside from Gennady Golovkin, I think he's the most deserving guy to get a shot at Canelo. Winfrey? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't... With the... With, you know, Gennady Golovkin kind of out of the picture, because if they fight again, he might actually have to kill Canelo to to win, and he might actually do it. (laughs) And you don't kill the... You don't kill the goose that uh, lays the golden eggs, as we've all learned. So cinnamon there just gets to keep will just continue to exist in that particular space. Short of, again, short of another fight with Golovkin, this is probably the best fight, all things considered. All right, as we hear the uh, as, we, as we kill time, basically waiting for this fight to start. Um, let's go talk about some of the other fights that are coming up. Uh, on ESPN, DAZN, and various other outings here. I want to see see you guys uh, just kind of give me short reactions here. Um, You know, you like them, not like them, want to talk about them, what do you think? I mean, I want people listening to this, basically I want you to tell them, should they pay attention or is it just a bunch of horse shit? All right, Um, Saturday, May 11th. Uh, Actually, let's back that up. Friday, May 10th. On Showtime, we've got Ruben Vila versus Luis Alberto Lopez. What do you think? And this is one's on Showtime. I'm guessing this Showbox. Is, yeah, it's a Showbox card. Uh, Showbox mostly is shit, isn't it, Pat? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, because of the nature of promoters now trying to single out things with TV networks, a lot of the great up-and-comers you're really not going to get to see as much as you would on Showbox, and that's a shame. Yeah, this is why HBO gave up on boxing after dark. 
and boxing in general, they were just like, you know what, there's, there's just nothing left. Let let's focus on our films and in you know um, our uh, our TV shows and whatnot, and just move on from boxing. On UFC Fight Pass, should you know people actually know, uh, pay for that? Abraham Nova versus Mario Acquizio Sayo Lozano. Sayo Lozano. Robert? I got nothing. I, the fact that Fight Pass... Look, when the UFC decided to make their move... I mean, A, they fired all the people who were actually you know, passionate about Fight Pass as a platform. They just kind of got rid of them a few a couple of years ago. Then they signed with ESPN and moved the vast majority of their content to ESPN+, Plus. but now they actually still have Fight Pass, so they're desperate to kind of give it some kind of value to justify anyone actually buying it. And for the record, I do. So they've now thrown, because now they don't actually have like live UFC events there, and it takes forever for stuff to get added to the library, so they don't run into conflict with ESPN+, Plus, which, does, which also has a significant portion of their library, especially all the stuff that's aired on their platforms. So they just throw a bunch of other crap at the wall and go, hey, look, we've also got Invicta and Pancrase and this random promotion from... She's not even, like, England, but, you know, like, Belgium. And <laughs> here's... You know, here's a Muay Thai... Here's a Muay Thai promotion, and here's Letway. And to be fair, Letway is an awesome rule set, but nobody... But there's not any really good Letway fighters, which is a shame because for those of you unaware, Letway is basically just Muay Thai fighting, but they allow headbutts, and you fight without... Really? Uh, you also fight without gloves. Well, I think I know what, I think I know what, my, what career path my son's going to take, then, because he is already a Letway fighter, whether he realizes it or not. Well, yeah, but he fights walls, Mark. True. true. I mean, and to be fair, when I say without gloves, that's not without wraps. There are hand wraps, and mm-hmm. so it's not bare knuckle. It's just there's no gloves, and yeah, it's Muay Thai rules, and you get to use headbutts, and it's it's fun. I like I like the rule set, but there, if you look at any of like the really good Thai fighters, they just don't compete in Letway because why would I risk headbutts? And then you have a bunch of people in Letway who just aren't. So the point being, Fight Pass also has uh, Roy Jones Jr. boxing, which I believe is the promotion the auspices under which that particular event will be conducted, and it's just kind of meh. It's very, very generic boxing. So if you're a big fan, go for it, but otherwise, you're, there's, I don't think there's too much you're gonna... you should be afraid of missing. Saturday, May 11th on ESPN+. Plus, We have Francisco Vargas versus Marcel Miguel Burchelt. Yeah, that's a good fight. Miguel Burchelt is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I highly recommend that if you have ESPN+, Plus, which if you do, I'm very sorry. Uh, on Fox this is one we should be doing Pat Saturday May 11th Julian Williams versus Jared Hurd Jared Hurd is a guy who could very well be in a big fight very soon he's one of the more talked about fighters just on the outskirts of that pound for pound top 10 and another big showing on a network show should get him that big fish fight that he's been landing or looking to land, I should say. All right. We'll have to, uh, if both of us are uh, happen to be sitting at home on Saturday, May 11th, we may have to uh, just bring you some more commentary. We'll see. We very busy lives. Um, all right. Friday, May 17th. I'll, I'll say this for Jared Hurd. He fought a better fight against Dearest Landy Lara than Canelo did. Ryan True. Burnett versus Gilbert uh, Gamera. This is taking place in Northern Ireland, Belfast. 
on ESPN Plus. Robert? I mean, watch it if you want to take an over-under on a bomb being set off. Because Northern <laughs> Ireland, but that's racist <laughs> and out of date. I haven't. I mean, I don't think the IRA is still a thing, is it? It sort is. Sort of. It's, it's, it is. It, 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 yeah, they there was a big like power struggle within the NRA. A lot of them defected. There's still like the true IRA. NRA, which is still out there, but it, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. That's very true. But it's they're still not the sexy terrorist group they used to be. The Middle yeah. East. Hold yeah. on. Now, now everyone. Now it's all. Now everyone that get now you know ISIS gets all the airtime or Hamas in a sympathetic light because reasons. Yeah. Uh, if you are, I'm going to skip skip this next one and go right to this. If you happen to have bought the zone, and I have, so is Pat at least for this month. Saturday, you May. It. I I'm sorry about that, you guys. <laughs> Saturday, May 18th, we've got Noya anyway versus Emmanuel Rodriguez from Glasgow, Scotland. On zone, Pat. Yeah, I got nothing. Is it Ensign anyway? In any way? No, no. Uh, then no, I'm, I'm out on. Did this they one seriously guy. just like stop and restart his entrance because this this audience hasn't been punished enough? Yes. <laughs> I'm, str- I'm struggling to kill time here. <laughs> All right, Saturday, May 18th. This is the real deal. This is the real main event. This is what everybody, true fight fans, need to be watching this. If you have showtime, this is the fight for you, especially if you enjoy heavyweights like I do. Deontay Wilder, speaking of long reaches, versus (laughs) Dominic Brazil Brazil, from the Barclays Center, where if you're fat... Dominic Brazil. Dominic Brazil. From the Barclays Center, where if you're a fat guy, you will not fit in the seats, nor will you have any room for your knees. Uh, Look... Deontay Wilder once again fights someone not Anthony Joshua because there's too much money to be made off Deontay Wilder, and he's, so he's not going to fight anyone who's actually any good. And the last time he did fight someone who was any good, he lost. He should have lost a horrible decision, but hey, payoffs. And calling Tyson Fury objectively good is being very generous. So we expect you all to tune in to the Showtime fight, and I'm going to convince Pat to somehow find a stream of it so we can talk about it. Hot diggity. All right. I doubt you will be successful in that endeavor. <laughs> or all right, May twenty fifth, we've got fights on ESPN, UFC, uh, USA, Fox Sports One, uh, and DAZN. Another one on DAZN. So you've got Jan- uh, Jamel Herring versus Miss, uh, Masayuki Ito. I'm right here in Kissimmee, Florida. I will not be there. Uh, Austin Trout versus Terrell Gosha. And Carlos Tackum versus Alexander Usyk. Uh, watch Usyk because he's because that man is a murderer, well, and I mean that is I mean that in the best way possible. That's another one for Dzone. See, see all this great content on Dzone, ladies and gentlemen. You've only listed oh. eighteen events, and we've singled out two. <laughs> Two's plenty. All right. Speaking of which, June first, the day before my birthday. Pat and I will be bringing you another event from DAZN. This is the Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. card. Uh, this is an update. Pat, real quick, what happened here? Uh, unfortunately, Jarrell Miller apparently uh, tore a muscle and is no longer able to compete. That is a real shame as I was looking very much forward to that fight. But it's still Anthony Joshua. It's still the one legitimate great heavyweight around that we have in this generation. So any chance to watch him, you should probably take. That's from Madison Square Garden, the, you know, the, uh, the home 
of professional boxing, the legendary Madison Square Garden. It's on my bucket list to actually see one, at least one boxing match there. So that'll be Where on. You, you will have no room for your knees in the seats. No. <laughs> once again, once again, only only midgets and women will be comfortable at Madison Square Garden. Um, Not even they are comfortable at Madison Square Garden anymore. That that place is in dire need of like a severe retrofit, but no one's going to do it because history. All right, but if you don't have DAZN, but you're itching to watch a fight on June first, Devon Alexander will be taking on Yvonne Redcatch on Fox. So they're on. <laughs> Hey, look, Zab Judas fighting, and he's fighting a guy named Cletus. Double yawn. <laughs> uh, they haven't even announced where that one is. 10 a.m. All right. And so it's taking place overseas. Yeah. Once again on DAZN, Gennady Golovkin, good old Triple G, once again at Madison Square Garden versus Steve Rolls was announced. Yeah, right. they... Look, somebody felt bad about how badly they screwed him twice, so they give him kind of an easier fight to win. Trying to convince Pat that we should cover that one. Um, I mean, it's Triple G. He's always worth watching. But uh, Well, here's the thing, okay? We're, we're very close to bell time, and we'll see the judges. Glenn Feldman, Dave Moretti, Steve Weisfeld. Dave Moretti is a horrendous judge, I will just let you know. I actually sang the virtues of Steve Weisfeld as a judge during the second Canelo-Golovkin fight and was summarily disappointed when he was going along with the rest of the Golden Boy party, um, unfortunately. So that should tell you what we're in for tonight if this goes the distance, guys. Oh, all right. So, so once it, Look, once again, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the opinion that Jacobs could score a knockdown in every round, and if this goes the distance, he's still losing the decision. Yeah, if he knocks him out, it's a draw. We, <laughs> look, we've, we've established this. And look, Jacobs better pray that he doesn't so much as get a scratch on him, because I would guarantee you some fight doctor at ringside is like, all right, the first time there's any swelling or blood on Jacobs, that's it. <laughs> you just see a mystery towel to get thrown in by the same person who raised the briefcase in, briefcase in the Austin versus... Uh, Vince and Shane McMahon ladder match. Is that what we're saying? They, they have in the rafters someone with uh, one of those like paraglider equipment, so he can dive into the ring if things start going badly for Canelo, and we'll get a twenty-five minute timeout for him <laughs> yeah, to get a do over. <laughs> uh, boxing, ladies and gentlemen, we love it. Hey, 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 hey! Look, boxing did this to itself. There's a reason we can't take it seriously, and it's not because we're just weird. No, it's a lot to do with Oscar De La Hoya. And uh, the this, fact that he continually gives Sugar Ray Leonard a platform. Is this a Golden Boy? Yeah, this is a Golden Boy event, isn't it? Well, it's Canelo. What do you think? All right. Yep, Golden Boy. All right, I think we are just about ready to get this party started after what seemed like an interminable wait. I don't know who... Yeah, I really don't know who set up the timing for this, but, God, that was bad. Oh, Tony Weeks is roughing. Okay. I'm really not impressed with anything of DAZN's production or anything for that matter. It's not all that good. I mean, ESPN ESPN has a plus has a pretty terrible interface. Somehow their interface is like worse than Fight Pass's interface. Uh, I mean, Fight Pass's interface will let you, you know, rewind, pause live action, pick up where you left off, that kind of stuff. ESPN Plus, not so much, and DAZN is not all that. Is like somewhere between the two. I mean, yeah. I haven't had any problems with it. Um, I actually, when Pat had uh, 
told us earlier that there was a really good fight on ESPN. I switched my television from my Apple TV to my cable box, uh, went on the ESPN, hit record, then flipped it back, and it actually, like, caught up, it, like, fast-forwarded to where it was in the fight from where I turned it off uh, without any problems. It was, you know, I didn't have any... Like, I've had more major buffering issues with the WWE Network than I've had with this. That's because so. more people use the WWE Network. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yes, we can finally stop uh, bullshitting here and actually call the fight. All right, both fighters take center of the ring. There's some... Uh... Uh, my st- uh, okay, mine is significantly behind you guys, so... I might be a little out of sync, so... Terrific. <laughs> All right. We get a little bit of uh, circling... Using uh, all right, Pat. What do you think so far? Not both. I mean, I, I don't. Would you call this even feeling each other out? They're just looking for positioning at this point. Uh, we finally see an exchange here. Yeah, I, I think Canelo is taking the lead here, getting the center of the ring. He's usually getting off first with his jab. I would like to see Danny be a little more aggressive, or else he's going to let Canelo walk all over him and do what he wants to do. Canelo's at his best in pursuit. And especially if Danny's not punching back at him, which right now is the case, it's forcing him against the ropes, occasionally a jab, occasionally a slide out to one side or the other. But Canelo right now is just kind of controlling the space, which is important for him in this fight to have success against the taller Danny Jacobs. What do you think of this? He's like, he's got his guard up for almost the entire part of the fight so far. He's, yeah. he's, he's going to have earmuffs up. Yeah. Robert. Yeah, he he really is. That's that's going to be the defensive posture he adopts for this fight. I don't think he's worried at all about the body shots that might be coming back his way, which is why you see the hands up that high. It exposes the ribs, but I don't think Jacobs has demonstrated consistently the type of body work and power that's going to trouble him. And if he he'll adjust if it does, I think. But until demonstrated otherwise, I think he's more worried about his head. All right, and we do see Daniel Jacobs using that, uh, using the jab. He's flicked it out there now a couple of times. He's staying busy, as we talked about before, but uh, he's not really finding any success as Canelo seems to be covering up. Yeah, Canelo's the one. Good. He needs to be more authoritative with that jab and mix it up. If he pokes him to the head, poke down to the body, and then back up to the head like he did there. That's a better sequence of jabs from him. That's going to force Canelo to move out of the center of the ring and have to take the back foot. And if he can do that, he'll have success. We've also seen Canelo once or twice throw that sweeping left hook upstairs without anything before it. That's an opportunity to counter when you see it coming. He always leans and then sweeps with the hook from a distance. He's swung that right to the body a few times. He's uh, he's not even really like hitting the ribs. He's almost hitting. He's more hitting the hips than he is anything else. Pat, for casual fans who are watching this and, and wondering, what are the judges looking for here? Are they looking for uh, do the, do they tend to award more for uh, punches thrown, or are they strictly looking at punches landed? Well, what they're supposed to be looking at is punches landed. The bottom line on scoring criteria, clean, effective punching is your primary that outweighs all others. Whether someone is being aggressive and throwing a lot of punches weights differently with judges, unfortunately. And that is the end of round one. All right, Lederman. Lederman, Robert Lederman Winfrey. Who do you give that round to? 
Oh, clearly it goes to Canelo by a score by a margin of about twenty to five. Uh, no, I honestly I think that round probably should go to Jacobs. I mean, he Agreed. seemed to be both the busier fighter and the more effective fighter. Canelo seems to be he's not throwing like four or five punches at in combination, he's doing one or two at most in a row. I'd like to see the CompuBox stats uh, come up because I, I really didn't see Canelo that busy during that round. I think he, he threw a few jabs out there. He spent the rest of the time protecting his face. He, yeah, he was not very busy, and especially after the first half of the round, Jacobs really picked up his own offensive pace. And a, a lot of jabs, yes, but he did also throw a few combinations that landed pretty well towards the end of the round. He also started to vary his offense to give Canelo different looks, which I like. Uh, I, I would definitely give him the round, uh, even though I don't think anything significant was landed either way. All right, we begin round two here. Uh, oh. So starting off a little bit busier, and then uh, Daniel Jacobs there went for the hug, separated, I think, even without the ref having to get involved. Looks like Canelo's trying to walk him down now, look for his opening. Oh, J- Jacobs is keeping that uh, keeping that jab out there, using his. I like I like what I'm seeing from Jacobs to a degree. I think he's using that length uh, that we, the uh, using the arm length that we that we talked about before. Reach, Oof. using his I reach think as I, we talked about before. I think the, the downside is he's not really getting a lot of steam on that jab more often than not. It's more like measuring. It's either, it's some combination of both measuring and trying to like just be a pole out there for Canelo to run into rather than, you know, trying to, you know, as the old timers might say, drive a railroad spike through his forehead. Well, I'm wondering J- if, I'm wondering if he's also just sticking it in Canelo's face to see what Canelo's going to do. What, you know, if he does it enough times, Canelo starts, there's going to be a pattern of what he's going to leave open or, you know, at least some degree of movement. And I think he's maybe trying to fight smart and think, okay, what, in a, later on when he starts to get tired, what can I do uh, anticipatory to strike and strike hard. Well, I think that's what this is. I think this is what you call an occupy jab, where he just wants to draw a look or a counter out of Canelo so he can dictate where he's going to go following it more often than not. If he can consistently do throw that punch without repercussion, he will start to step on the gas with it a little bit more. And you see each guy kind of go to the body there. Jacobs with a little bit of a right hand on the side. Uh, but it's an occupying jab. It's busy. It's a point. It's a point fighting jab where you can see he's landing something. That's what this punch is being used for, and it'll draw a reaction eventually where he can determine what he wants to do. All right, we see it. We just saw a pretty good combination from Jacobs there, which uh, backed Canelo up. So, uh, prior to that, Canelo had hit him with a pretty stiff jab himself. Yeah, when they get in closer, I, I feel this is kind of weird, but when they're I think when they're in the pocket and they're both kind of exchanging and infighting, Jacob seems to have a better feel for both getting his offense off and then disrupting the rhythm of Canelo by just moving before Canelo's counters or his return punches come out after him. So I, I think, again, we mentioned before, Canelo needs to kind of crowd this, not just because of the length disadvantage he's at. I think he needs to for the purposes of both of timing. Because if he gives Jacobs free reign, Jacobs seems to have a decent enough read on when his punches are coming. And Alvarez isn't doing himself a whole lot of favors with his technique as far as some of the stuff at long range. He's winding up and looping a lot of this, whereas Jacobs is throwing much tighter. 
And I, I thought like- at the end of that round, Jacobs landed the best punch of the fight from either man so far. He landed a very good left hook to the body. Yeah, that I think it was the most solid punch we've seen. I was going to say that round. The, I think the story of that round was Jacob started to work the, work the body, and he, I think he found success there. He needs to mind that further and really take uh, take Canelo's lungs away from him. What we also saw there: subtle defense from Jacobs, where in those exchanges where they got in close, not only did he get hit and step to the not vulnerable side, but he also used his arms to basketball-style box Canelo out and get himself out of that punching range where if something was landing, he's going to have his arms extended where the likelihood is it's not going to land on where it's intended. It's going to hit his elbow, his bicep, his forearm, which he's okay with. So we should have two rounds to none for Jacobs. I think practically they're going to give that round to Alvarez because... Reasons. Reasons. (laughs) Right, so it's 14 to nothing officially on the scorecards. Something like that, yeah. All right. Uh, Cane- uh, Canelo's starting to pick up the pace here. Once again, he's pushing Jacobs against the ropes. Uh, Jacobs is starting to circle away. Jacobs' footwork is starting to fall off a little bit. He's not being as mindful of where he is in the ring. So he was doing that uh, double jab, one to the head, one to the body routine there. He's trying to make that work for him. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it, it's it, he's, he's it's a little awkward because he's doing that, but I don't think he's got his I don't think he's got his feet set to where it becomes very powerful or effective. I think it's just he's also of... his jab from southpaw is not nearly as effective as his jab from orthodox. No, and as a taller man going against a shorter man, you don't want to finish combinations to the body. You always want to get back upstairs and have proper defensive posturing. Uh, in addition. The reason I think he's going southpaw is to try to get a read on Canelo's left hook faster and beat it inside with his near hand, which is the right hand. Canelo landed a uh, stiff punch to the sternum, which seems to have, I don't know, woke Jacobs up or just surprised him. But he gave he made kind of a face when he got hit right between the uh, right between the man boobs. Yeah, Canelo's best punch of the fight by far. And we see here, you know, Jacob's back to orthodox now. Whatever he was trying to accomplish with Southpaw, it wasn't working for him, so he's back the other way. And you see the punches here from Canelo. Again, like I talked about, they're sweeping punches. There's a lot of air that gets caught between Canelo and his opponent when these punches are coming in. And it's because he's used to guys turtling up and clamming up. Yeah, and Jacob's is staying a bit more mobile, so a lot, so a lot of the wind up that he's doing is just it is actually this is why you don't teach people to punch this way because frequently this is what happens whereas a lot of the other guys he's fought yeah he gets to wind up because they're not going to move so it doesn't so getting maximum distance is not really the worst thing when you're just sure of the target and generating more force all right we see another exchange there of uh, of lefts and another tie up Pat, explain to the people why Jacobs has initiated so many tie-ups in just three rounds. Well, it's very simple. As a taller man with longer arms, when you are in close and fighting in that range, the man with the shorter arms has the advantage because he has less distance to travel to his intended target with his punches. As a taller fighter, you're at a natural disadvantage, so what you want to do is get those arms tied up, get out of harm's way as much as you can, force a break and reestablish distance legally. 
Now, there's a difference between holding and clinching. Holding is just outright grabbing onto someone to avoid conflict. Clinching is incidental contact made inside that you can take advantage of by just moving close enough to your opponent and hooking onto them. It was probably Canelo's best round of the fight, but I think, I mean, objectively, I think it still, Jacobs might still have edged that one out. Where you're going to see divide on the judges is from the exchange where Canelo was having a moment where he had him on the ropes and started working to the body. However, Jacobs used that Philly shell. He picked off a lot of those punches. They really didn't land, but I imagine he's going to get credit for all of them. Right, we so are moving yeah, into we're... the fourth round here. Go ahead, Robert. So yeah, we're pro- again on the official scores. We're probably looking at Canelo up like three to one. Uh, I think realistically, it. Sorry, we're going into the fourth. My mistake. We're probably looking at Canelo up three nothing. <laughs> uh, if, if we're just, if we're just looking at the judges' scores, what I think is actually on them. Uh, but I think at best, if we're talking realistically, it's two to one for. Jacobs at the moment. As much as we're all kind of eye-rolling and we're like, oh, Canelo, a million to one, um, I I can't imagine any sane judge giving that first round to to Canelo. And if they do, I would love to hear their explanation because what fight were you watching? You just used sane and judge in the same sentence, Mark. (laughs) I actually think the second round was a more pronounced round for Jacobs as well. Yeah. So, I mean, conceivably, we've got two to one Jacobs here going into the fourth. Conceivably, okay. I mean, my, my my inclination would actually be three zero Jacobs. And Canelo is a slow starter. Let's not you know take that out of the picture. He does tend to close stronger than he does most of his opponents. All right. So Canelo sure. kind of bent over there in defense and looks like he. I don't know how clean of a shot it was, but he looked like he caught an uppercut to the face. Yes, he did, and that's what happens when you lean in on a taller man. Yeah, so especially if they have a decent sense of timing and have practiced the punch. So we see some dirty boxing there from both guys. I actually taught that to my son the other day. We were going shopping and I said, come here, I want to teach you something. And I went to give him a hug and I punched him in the kidneys. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're raising the greatest generation there, Mark. <laughs> I am father of the year. What are you talking about? Decade. Thank you. Pat, I'm sure you approve. I do. I think more kids need to learn that. I mean, really, if you want to teach him dirty boxing, you, just, you said your son has an aptitude for headbutts. Make sure he teaches them. Make sure he knows how to do them properly, and he's not throwing with the forehead. Yeah, we went over that the other day. My my favorite thing is when he was boxing his sister in his inflatable uh, boxing ring, and his gloves fell off, and he proceeded to try to bare knuckle fight her, even though I told him don't do that. And then he insisted that this was a bare knuckle fight. All right, uh, all right. We see Jake. Oh Jesus! We see Jacobs flick two jabs, and he takes one right in the right in the mush. Now, yeah, Jacobs a... is really boxing well so far. And Canelo, I don't think was prepared for you know, just the, the the scientific approach that Jacobs has brought to him. Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I see Canelo land like that, and you know whether it's that was you know, the intended combination of punches, and then he went to reset, and that's just muscle memory and technique and all of that, but when you score a big hit in the face like that, how do you not follow up? He's off balance, and he doesn't have the ability to follow with it because of his foot positioning, because he's making him reach for those things. He's making him throw them at awkward angles, and also in that instance, when you have to punch like that, you're not getting everything on your punch either, and that's something Danny Jacobs has taken to his advantage, and that's why you saw him at the end of the round. He was actually able to back Canelo up and corner him. Uh, 
be that as it may, I would give that round to Canelo. Yeah, that's probably about accurate. I, I, Jacobs, while he was very busy that round, he seemed a lot more ineffectual in a lot of a lot, especially in all the bigger flurries. And Canelo had a much better feel for getting his right hand going. So, again, officially, if I had to guess what the judges have it, it's three to one Alvarez. But uh, I think realistically, we're probably two. We're like three to one for Jacobs, or at best, two apiece. Yeah, I would say we're probably 50-50 going into this, all things being equal. All right, we are into round five of 12. All right, Jacob's getting busy with his left left jab. See, Canelo's Canelo's getting... uh, One thing I've started to notice now, he's not... Well, let's see, he's done a couple times there, but... Uh, at the start, I didn't think he was guarding as much. I think he was starting to get more comfortable with Jacobs, you know, starting to get a be- the best read on him that he can. And we're going to start to see a more aggressive Canelo now. Yeah, and for the record, you know, we were joking about the scores being all over the place and widely in favor of Canelo. Feel free to look up the responses on Twitter right now, where I think most people have Canelo up three to one. <laughs> And speaking of three to one, being up three to one, here we have Carl Froke scores through four, through four rounds, where Canelo is in fact up three to one. Carl Froch has him up, including being up uh, the second. Yeah, he, the, I think he only gave uh, Jacobs the first. Oh God! Yeah, that, it's one of those nights, folks. Boxing, everyone. The reason we can't take it seriously is because boxing doesn't take itself seriously. You know what kills me is Canelo, you know, we're, we're talking about Canelo being the golden boy and, you know, the most marketable, the the best fighter uh, in the in the game right now, now that Floyd Mayweather has retired. Meanwhile, he keeps doing a thing where he bends over entirely. I mean, Jesus, it, it, it just seems very Bush League. Look, if you're not someone the, the caliber of, I mean, first of all, you see that more at lower weight classes. But if you're not a technician, the level of you know Vasily Lomachenko or Guillermo Rigondeaux, it's just not a good idea. You're prob- and Canelo is not that kind of boxer. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing that. It seems like a massive tactical mistake. All right, he's landed a good stiff jab there. He's making Jacobs cover up now. Jacobs is starting to inch back. He's once again back towards the ropes. Boy. I'll tell you what, Canelo has been looking for that power punch for the last four uh, for the last four rounds, and I don't. I mean, he's been more effective with his straights and jabs, but every once in a while he throws this wild, like hooking either uppercut or uh, overhand, and it doesn't hit nothing. The he basically he, he basically he throws that punch and kites go flying into the air. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I don't know why he does it, but the judges must love it. <laughs> but, it, you know, it again, he swings for the fences, and, you know, you just hear swish. It's, that, it's that swooping motion, again, where he just seems to want to always get that brush off, and I don't understand the method behind it. All right, and we, uh, I think Canelo got the best of him, especially towards the end of that round. Yeah, those last 30 seconds or so were basically all Alvarez, and I don't think Jacob did anything in the preceding minute and a half to really kind of offset that. And yeah, earlier, I would agree. In an earlier fight, they were talking about headbutts, and I guess they had referenced one 
uh, one severe headbutt, and the fighter <laughs> just went, yeah, I was feeling his headbutts the entire fight, meaning that there were incidental minor butts as they were uh, whenever they fought inside. And I'm wondering how much of the how much of that just affected Daniel Jacobs as they were fighting in, and you know it wasn't like you know like a massive you know rearing back and nailing him in the nose or anything, but I feel like Daniel Jacobs was sort of buttoned up against his face and his head and his forehead. Well, Jacobs knows he can't win this fight, so he's setting up his excuses. <laughs> Bear in mind, when I say knows he can't win, that doesn't mean that he won't be the better fighter. It means there's no way he's going to be allowed to win this fight. Uh, yeah, I, I give Canelo that one. So I think uh, through five, that would mean Canelo is now up, I believe, three to two. I've, I've got it three to two the opposite way. Okay, yeah, three to two for Jacob. Sorry, I'm not writing these down, so I'm trying to go off the top of my head. All right, and we've got some scores here. Uh, Canelo has thrown has landed 60 punches. He's thrown 166 for a 36 percentage. Um, they've moved it away. But uh, what it I got was, it was Jacobs at forty-three of two fourteen for twenty percent. Well, that certainly illustrates that he's keeping busier than Canelo uh, through the fifth round, which is what we said needed to happen. How you know if that translates into him winning rounds, that remains to be seen. Now you see here, Danny was in a defensive posture. He cobra out of that. It's called a cobra when you strike out of that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Scores with a series of lefts from Daniel Jacobs, and Canelo brushes it off. But, yeah, he felt those. Go ahead, yeah, that was, that was cobring. You get out of that shell, see one opening, and pop, pop, pop off one side because it's there. I promise, I, Pat, I'm not going to yell out Mamma Mia if there's a knockout or anything. I want you to know that. Look, I'll hang up. Look, you're not Maro. I, I, frankly, I more expect a big kibosh from you than I would a, a Mamma Mia. Oh, come on. All right, and we see another clinch here from... Now, Pat, getting back to the whole clinching thing... No, no, sorry, that... a good night, Irene. You're, you will throw out the good night, Irene. I might throw out a good night, Irene. Um, we see another clinch there. It, uh, looks like it was initiated by Daniel Jacobs. Are we having a wind issue here, or is it just, you know a way to sort of reset, frustrate Canelo, et cetera, et cetera. No, because if you look at where it's clinching, it's usually after he's scored and Canelo finds his way inside, mm -hmm. which is the intelligent thing to do. I think it also has to do with ring positioning. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of those times it's him landing before Canelo can get off his counters, and Jacobs is frequently has is the one with his back to the ropes when he does that, and he's just trying to kind of avoid getting stuck there for any prolonged period of time. We almost saw a headlock there by uh, Canelo, and yep, wrong sport. Eh, maybe not. It's fixed. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> God, uh, looks like a pretty good uppercut, a good... From, uppercut from Canelo there. Ooh. So, if you're wondering what that ooh was, Daniel Jacobs sort of ducked under Canelo and he grabbed him by the waist at the same time and then let him go. Kind of a slick move there. Yeah, Canelo's employing the famous uh, Sugar Ray Leonard style of trying to win fights here, which is don't lose badly and then flurry very hard over the last few seconds. Yeah, and I don't think it worked that round. I think that was Jacob's best round in a while. 
Yeah, he's I I think numerically that was Jacob's best round and again, watch it actually go to Canelo when people are talking about, you know, what <laughs> when the judges actually score it, but yeah, that so that would put Jacob's up uh 4 to 2, I believe. Man, Canelo looks very very frustrated almost with how this fight is going. I have to wonder if Canelo thought he was going to get an early knockout in this fight. I really don't think that. I know he's an egomaniac, but I think he's a little smarter than that. You know, Daniel Jacobs hasn't been knocked out in over a decade, and when he was, it was against, you know, a guy who was a very good fighter at the time named Dmitry Pirog in a very early bout in Jacobs' career. Uh, you know, if Golovkin can't finish you early, there's a very good chance Canelo can't. Yeah, and again, for the record, while we have Jacobs up 4-2, to two, in all likelihood, Canelo's up five to one or six to one right, Canelo's starting to come alive here in round seven of 12 we are more than halfway done with this championship middleweight unification uh, fight uh, Canelo came just steamrolling out of the corner landed a series of punches backing Daniel Jacobs up and he's continuing to do so he's staying right in his face fighting less defensively now more offensively not letting Daniel Jacobs get an inch Daniel Jacobs has a counterpunch there that back that finally backs Canelo off, and now Canelo's fighting a little bit more defensively. See, and that's a mistake. He's got to jump right back in Daniel Jacobs' face, push him back. That's what he has his most success so far. He's got to continue that. He cannot let Jacobs get comfortable again, especially after having a good round. He needs to reassert himself the way he did the two previous rounds. Yeah, you're also starting to see a bit of the firepower differential between the two parties. Uh, when Canelo really decides to go, Jacobs has to retreat. Even Jacobs' best you know, offensive flurries have not really troubled Canelo all that much. Hook there from Daniel Jacobs. I'm not sure if it found its mark. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Sorry, I'm scrolling through some other things as as we speak. Uh, there's a lot of people drinking the Canelo Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Daniel Jacobs just uh, threw a flurry at Canelo. Canelo brushed it all off. He didn't seem affected at all. No, but this is one of the things we talked about earlier where he's a one-way guy. He's not going to answer back on those flurries. He's going to wait till they finish before he fires back. Yeah, he... Canelo, one of the big knocks on him, I, I imagine, is again that he's he's one way or the other. He's either offensive or defensive, and I mean that's one of the things that Floyd in their fight exploited. It's one of the things that Gennady exploited, quite frankly. Has anyone ever? I don't think anyone's ever knocked out Canelo, have they? No, Canelo's never been knocked out. So the few losses that he have have all been decision, and I would imagine the one. Hang on, the one, and I don't think he's ever even been knocked uh. down. No, I, I've seen him hurt. I've never seen him knocked down. Right, so he only has the one loss to Mayweather, and that's it? That's it. Officially. I mean, again, should have been two losses to Gennady Golovkin, but... Hey, we're not going to beat that horse to death. I, and I'm not sitting at my computer anymore, so I can't do the horse noise. <laughs> there we go. All right. And Daniel Jacobs tries to uh, get in... Canelo's face there towards the end. Not a whole, you know, just a lot of thrown punches, nothing really landing, and then he gives the kid gives the audience a nod for good measure. By the way, I, believe, I love Daniel Jacobs' shirt. I want one of those. I believe Jacobs in that round threw our first crotch shot of the night. 
<laughs> I mean, I think he, I think he punched Canelo in the dick. <laughs> well, somebody had to. Uh, yeah, I imagine that's a Canelo round, all things considered. So we're li- we're starting to li- uh, even things up as far as that goes. So not a lot of visible damage as we look at both gentlemen in the corner. A little um, Canelo. Okay, fucking. <laughs> Canelo had the first uh, two rounds, according to the unofficial card. Chris Mannix should go die. <laughs> like, this is... Uh, no, I'm going to go off on a tangent now. I'm sorry. This is yeah, fucking please. bullshit. Look, this, is something... real, this is real motherfucking bullshit that you're seeing with a scorecard that has given Canelo all but one round. And this needs to... This is why people don't give a shit. This is why I don't give a shit about boxing anymore. I literally only do these because Mark wants to do them, and I like to podcast every so often. Uh, Mark and I have fun together. But this is the dumb shit about why nobody gives a fuck about boxing anymore because you have bullshit like this that goes on where there's an agenda to be pushed. And I'd be more okay with it if you told me this was the plan ahead of time. If you did this pro wrestling style where you told me this is the guy who's supposed to be the star and everybody was okay with it. But what you're trying to do is piss on me and tell me it's raining, and I'm not okay with that. Thank you, fuck you, bye. Pat Cornette Mullen, yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, for the record, Carl Froke uh, did score that last round for Jacob, so he has so he has uh, Canelo winning uh, four round. Excuse me, more it will be six rounds. To, uh, excuse me, five rounds to two at this point. So again, in case you missed why Pat just went off on the sport of boxing in general, the unofficial scorecard has Canelo up every round except for one, and it was the third round that, that uh, he gave to Jacobs, which was a bunch of horse shit. Uh, that's on the one you guys are watching. On the one I'm watching, uh, Canelo is up, again, five rounds to two, with Jacobs having taken the first and the seventh. All of which still gives Canelo his, pro- his worst round of the fight, which was, in fact, the second. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> again, th- this is... Uh, the reason we can't take boxing seriously is because apparently boxing doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah. Thank you, fuck you, bye. I mean, in all seriousness, I can see an argument for Canelo winning the fight. But the way the round... It, it's almost like no one cares about the in, the integrity of the individual round-by-round round scoring so long as the overall agenda is pushed appropriately, which is ridiculous. So the saddest, the irony of all this is we're talking over what's, what's a, a firefight happening in front of us. Uh, both Canelo and Jacobs were fighting against the ropes, and they were and they were both going back and forth, fairly even enough exchange. They're going forehead to forehead right now, or they were. I mean, Canelo was you know starting to starting to throw some uh, straights and hooks there. He's still going. Daniel Jacobs is covering up now. They are standing in the center of the ring, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel Jacobs just scored with a left hook. Which land, seemed to land flush right on Canelo's ear. Canelo took it with no problem. Daniel Jacobs is scoring now more hooks to the head. Yeah, these guys are finally... We're finally... You know, got the engines really cooking along here. And now Jacobs... Ha- oh, Jesus. Jacobs has Canelo. Not enough time in the round. Jacobs finally had Canelo against the ropes. Canelo was starting to feel him. And he's saved by the bell. And Canelo will win that round. 10-8. <laughs> I need to. I don't understand a, what's funny about that. Again, 
You think we're li- you think we're lying? Like we we can make these. You think these are jokes? This is an actual like th- that's an actual prediction about how the scores are going to read. I need it's a fucking bunch of bullshit from you, Pat. I I, di- I, I mean listen. Right now I've got the score five two one for Danny Jacobs. I could see it five three. Uh, that's about as good as I can see it right now. I can't see Canelo having more than three rounds in the bank at this point. Now, you're talking we're going into the ninth round. He has to conceivably win every round on my scorecard to win the fight, win all but one to get a draw, barring knockdowns or point deductions. Think that's how it's going to play out? Me neither. (laughs) Yeah, again, feel free, anyone... I don't know how Twitter records these things, but go back through some of the. Again, there's a lot of people. You get smoking, smoking the uh, the Canelo dope here. They're they're snorting a bit of the cinnamon. Uh, there's a lot of people who have who agree who think that giving you know, Jacobs more than one round is dubious. And again, I don't, I, think I don't they agree understand with that. how boxing works. Then, yeah, I think Chris Mannix is a fucking scumbag. All right. I'm so fucking tired of this. Maybe it'll work out, Pat. Yeah, the, yeah there's the a lot of people going. That's the unofficial. Look, there's a lot card. of people going six to two Canelo. That's a very popular. Jesus fucking Christ! Read. Are you serious? You think I'm joking, Mark? No. Do you think I would lie to you about this? No, no, no. I don't think you'd lie to me about anything. Again, <sighs> six to two Canelo is a popular read on how this fight has gone. Would you please tell Twitter that Mark Rattlet says they're dumb? Tag me. It's fine. You have a Twitter account. You do it. No, I'm busy trying to call the fight. You're 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 the you're the you're the social media man on this desk. All right, all right, fine, fine. I will do so. And Mark, what do you see here in round nine that you like? All right, so Daniel Jacobs is is still u- utilizing his jab, trying to uh, find a way in on Canelo. I wish he would uh, resume what he was doing in the previous round. You know, get the, the lean on Canelo a little bit and start throwing some fire. Canelo's opening up a little bit offensively here, but it's not consistent. It's three punches, deep breath, and then wait for Jacobs to either move, respond, or cover up. He just scored big time with a left there, which is another one that uh, gave Jacobs a bit of the warbles. Up, oh, that was a clean hit on. Uh, that was a clean hit too. Two clean hits from Jacobs on Canelo. Those look like pretty, uh, pretty severe hooks. He had some mustard on him. He got his full body weight into that second one, especially. Yeah, Canelo is really leaning on his left hand to be kind of his setup punch here, and unfortunately, it's just not working for him. Uh, with thirty, with less than thirty seconds to go, I don't believe Canelo has won this round, and it's a. It's just a crying shame if the judges actually give it to him. Oh, he's going to get it. Uh, yeah, Mark, I'm, what do you think he's not going to get it? I'm, I'm holding out for hope, gentlemen. One of us has to. No, you don't. Mark, do you realize that one judge in his fight with Floyd Mayweather scored that fight a draw? And it was, and I'm not saying it wasn't nonsense. I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> for people listening to this, one of us has to remain positive. No, you don't. It, give it, Mark. I will not give in to the dark side. Yes, you will. Unless we're watching Dumbo. What a piece of shit that was. 
Yeah, you think that was a piece of shit. Just wait to hear these scores. No kidding. Uh, I have to tell you a story offline about how I got yelled at for spoiling Endgame for somebody. Ah, piss on that. At the party I was at Tuesday night. Mind you, all I said was, yes, I cried at the end, and you will too, depending on how you feel about Captain America. And literally, a guy ran out of the party. Good. His wife yelled, spoilers. He probably had to go buy some... He probably had to go buy some Kotex. His wife yelled, spoilers, that was a spoiler, and he ran into the, the, the front yard of the house. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. How was that I a spoiler? I hope there. It was at the end of the night. Okay, so, that's, again, we, we all agree here that should have been a Jacob's round. Yes. Yeah, but everybody gave it to Canelo, we understand. I'm giving it to Captain America. And round 10 is underway here. Championship rounds in place. You know, oh, now Canelo's seems a little more desperate. Yeah, it was a wild swing on him. That it wasn't set up at all. He just just sort of threw out a, a haymaker. Yeah, yeah he's know. he didn't look good in between corners as far as that goes. He looks like someone who knows he's losing a fight, even if he knows the fix is in. All right, Canelo landed seventy-one power punches to Jacobs fifty-two. Yeah, that's not an accurate statistic. No, it is not. Uh, I mean, I would love to know the criteria they have for determining a power punch. Anything that's not a jab, this fight has harder, soft it is. That, that's the legitimate criteria. That seems dubious. I mean, okay, A, yeah, a that's a little dubious. B, Jacobs would still be ahead. Also, discount stiff jabs as not being power punches, even if one guy's stiff jab was better than one guy's soft hook. Just yeah, that's... Mm, fair enough. All right. Oh, God. Canelo on the ropes again. Canelo coming in with a... Oh, there was a pretty good exchange there, which which, uh, ended with Jacobs landing in another pretty significant power punch. Canelo snuck in a couple of rights there, though. I think think Jacobs has the right idea in trying to punctuate the the finish of the combinations like we talked about before the fight. He's got to leave that lasting impression with something at the end. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of touch on something we talked about earlier, if you look at uh, Canelo's defense, as the fight has gone on, he has stopped a lot of just the earmuffs in raw space. He has dro- he has adopted more of a, a kind of the Tommy Hearns or the Philly Shell uh, us, style of distance fighting. I'll tell you what, let us assume you gave every uh, all first five rounds to Canelo. Canelo's is starting to lose this fight. This the, um, I would say... This second half has definitely been very strong for Jacobs. Definitely. Uh, Jacobs has just started finding the target so consistently, and while he doesn't have the, the you know this massive firepower, he's he's getting there, and he's getting there a lot. He's landed some really clean, powerful punches. Well, we talked about him needing to keep busy. He's done that, and Canelo has not. You know. While he's had a few significant flurries, none of them have really ended with enough landed punches to where you could legitimately give him those rounds. With that, I question, I question whether the 170-pound contractual obligation for the day of the fight was beneficial to Canelo. At this point, yeah. 
Are you insinuating that maybe he's a bit drained, that he's a bit lethargic? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because even in the fights with Golovkin, while I don't believe he came close to winning either fight, there was a great right hand by Jacobs. He did finish stronger in those fights in those last three rounds than we saw him really through any other course of the fight, other than maybe one odd round in the middle section of both fights. Yeah, he seems he seems way way out of his regular form for whatever reason at this point. I would have liked to have seen his corner. You got to see Jacobs' corner there, but I wanted to see Canelo's. I want to see if he's breathing heavy. He was breathing heavy between the last two rounds. Well, he's been touched a lot more to the body in this fight than he's used to, and I'm sure that's something that's adding into those troubles besides potentially maybe having to keep too much weight off because Canelo's a big middleweight. There's been a lot of talk of him moving to 168. He's already fought there a couple times. Yeah, and again, Jacobs has found some really solid you know, headshots in, throughout that round in particular. And I mean, credit to Alvarez for just kind of eating him and moving forward, but he's getting hit a lot. And Jacobs, even in the 11th round here, still has fresh legs. That's not something you see very often. Yeah, he's making Canelo chase him, but he seems to have been able to keep up his cardio, whereas Canelo is struggling. And was Canelo, that, was that... Canelo is also, he's doing these leaping punches. Like, this is something you see in some of the worst, some of the less good MMA matches in the UFC, where these guys do these leaping punches in the hopes that, you know, like they're fucking Roman Reigns or something, that the, the guy's just going to be knocked out with one punch. Okay, Carl Froke has given Jacobs the last two rounds, so he's still down, but at least those two have been scored accurately. <laughs> Yeah, well, Carl Frosch has brain damage, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm I'm just looking at that, and I'm thinking we that's probably Daniel accurate. Daniel Jacobs to work the body. He's doing that in this round. He's a couple of times he's attacked the body now on Canelo, and Canelo wasn't able to return with anything significant. Canelo's legs seem off. I mean, they're not gone, gone, but he is not getting himself into proper position anymore. Is that some tape on his right? He's got his left knee taped up. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got a sleeve on. He's got an ace sleeve. So what do you I do wonder take... if there's something with his legs. So what do you do nah. to take advantage of that, Pat? I mean, you know, depending on when the hell that got put on. Uh... Well, that's been on the whole fight. Yeah, I just hadn't looked. At, I hadn't really given a yeah. whole lot of prolonged attention to that. And, I, I didn't and notice this is the in... first time I noticed that it was there. I didn't notice it until this round. I mean, so might as well speak to it um, because we just paid it since we just realized it was there. What do you do to take advantage of something like that? Force him to step with that leg to that side. Force him to have that leg be the leg that initiates movement, which I think Danny Jacobs has done when he switched to southpaw. Make him take those wide looping shots where he's got to jump and put weight significantly landing on that knee. And look at Jacobs backing him up again into the corner because he's fresher. He's got more energy. He's able to fire off shots. Canelo's waiting to fire back. He's not firing back in unison with him. Yeah, Canelo doesn't go in for that fifty-fifty brawling. He'd rather just cut. He'd rather do pitch and catch. <laughs> That's not a joke. It's a sty- It's a methodology of describing. I know, a, but you a know, striking philosophy. I know, but I'm having fun with words. Um. All right. So Daniel Jacobs scored another clean hit to the head, and we yeah, are into is- the final round. Yeah, Jacobs has really come on strong, and Canelo's yeah, Canelo's legs seem 
again, they're not gone, gone, but they're pretty shot at this point. He is not moving well at all. He does not have any bounce in them. He does not have any real uh, energy coming that is visible. He's looking like he's really loading up heavy on one shot at a time. That's what he's looking for. He's in trouble, but he's got to put everything he's got into this round. I mean, he really he really doesn't because we know he's already won the fight, but he really, in, if this was an earnest fight, should put everything into this round and try to get a stoppage, at the very least a couple of knockdowns to try to pull even, which right. even on my card, it would not be enough. All right, so it's the last round. Daniel Jacobs really has to, you know, put it on in order for him to even attempt to earn a victory here. What are you, uh, what are you telling him if you're in the corner, Pat? Be aggressive, but be safe. Keep your hands up. Work first. Initiate and close the sequences. Don't go chasing anything that's not there, and don't take stupid chances. All right, we see them. With some early yeah, Canelo, Canelo's sucking some wind between rounds because I know Mark, you kind of wanted to see that. He's he's not in the best and shape. And slip. Of course, it's a slip. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, we are not in sync here because I just now saw him fall all over the mat there. Yeah, a little bit of a spot there on the center logo is not uncommon, especially towards the end of a fight card. Where Tony Weeks is going to call, he wants to get this taken care of. Yeah, good on the ref. I mean, there's a lot of water on the that's like in, on the mat in the court in the, the opposite fighters' corners, and that probably has kind of gotten on their shoes. And then, like Pat said, you know, you get the big logo in the middle of the K in the middle of the ring after that much time has gone by, and over I the course mean, of a fight night. I think Canelo has a bruise on his ribs, or is a. Uh, uh kidney area he's taking a lot of punches in that area it would not be surprising in the least Jacobs you know I know a lot of people will say this is giving Canelo a respite it's necessary for the fight right now Jacobs is the one who fell during because of that but Jacobs yeah. also is getting a respite here too not that he looks like he needs it he's very calm in the corner like opposed Canelo is very intense looking in his corner I really think he understands the, that he's been in with a really good fighter who's done really well yeah, this is one of the better performances from Jacobs. I mean, he has really fought nearly the fight of his life here. And yeah, Canelo's really badly bruised up to the ribs and you're know, kind of around the kidneys. He's got a pretty gnarly one on one of his forearms, I think. Make sure that's not that, a tattoo. I don't think it's a tattoo. It's, it's either a birthmark or a bruise. You're talking about his left arm, right? His left uh, arm. I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. It looks like a tattoo. I'd have to get a better look at it. it. The angle I had on it didn't look like a... It did not look like anything that was placed there deliberately, but I could be wrong. Yeah, you can see it now on the TV, right? It's the same side as his back tattoo. Yeah, okay. we're back in... I don't see a lot of desperation from either guy at this point in time. Oh, they both think they've won. We've got less than a minute here. We're working, on, working our way towards 30 seconds. Oh, and yeah, another shot to the ribs. From and Jay, there's a good uppercut. Jacobs, Jacobs he's is really so trying busy. To, he's really trying to punctuate this round and close strong. And he, I think he realizes he's not going to get the knockout, so he hasn't won. Maybe he can hope for a draw. But I, I'm walking away very impressed from his performance. No, yeah, he uh, 
He went toe-to-toe with Canelo, took some of his best shots and kept coming. And at the end, he had more stamina than uh, than Canelo did. It's an you... utter shame that he's going to lose this decision. Yeah, win, lose, or draw, though, I would tell you Canelo needs to go up a weight class or two. I don't... I, you know, that's been the talk for a while, but, again, the money was at middleweight with Golovkin. They screwed it, and they screwed him and gave him the money, and you know, this was the fight that people wanted to see because Jacobs had arguably fought Golovkin better in his one lone shot against Golovkin than Canelo did in both of his efforts. I don't disagree with that. Uh, you know, we'll be interested to see how wide the margins are for Canelo in this one. I really am. For the record, um, eight to four or uh, seven to five for Canelo seems to be kind of the prevailing wisdom on Twitter. The prevailing wisdom on Twitter is a bunch of morons. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just relaying the information. Yes, I understand. I, I'm not holding you responsible. I don't see a realistic scenario where Canelo won more than four rounds. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, on the unofficial card here for DAZN, they gave uh-huh. eight, nine, and ten to Jacobs. Yes, yeah, because he had to. Chris Mannix is a fucking idiot. Okay. I hope he fucking dies. I really do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sorry. Chris Mannix should die. All right, so I've raised the volume on my TV so I can actually hear the score. Uh, I, I don't know how much more louder I should make it to cover the laughter that's about to, about to come out of me. When oh, I get you're going to hear the score, Mark. I'm not listening. Okay, you're, you've had enough. You're, you're going to read off the scores. I, I'm not even listening because I know what happens every time I... Uh yeah, we could probably do it tonight. We we've had our Pat rant for the evening. We're probably good there. And look, Oscar, yeah, Oscar De La Hoya is in the ring, and the grease follows. No controversy from the judges. They know who bought them all a bigger house. I was gonna say yeah. they know who won this fight. I'm like, oh, they're talking about Canelo, aren't they? Because I haven't listened to their commentary all night. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, your home for proper commentary for boxing should be the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Nobody bought us, I can tell you that much. Oh, wow, they threw the IBF in there. Okay, Canelo won. Uh, what was it? 115? Yeah, what a shot. <laughs> was it 115 to 113? And then I heard 116 to 112. What was the third one, Robert? I don't know. I didn't hear. Okay, well, somewhere between 115 to 113 and 116 to 112. Might have been two 116 to 112s. Either way, nope. <laughs> yeah, that's... That is not an accurate representation of... <laughs> Now that fight should be scored. <laughs> no, but we look. We gave away the ending to this thing before it even started. So, I mean, let let let's not act all self righteous now. You know, let's ha- you know, let's have our laugh or a cry, and let's let's final words here, Pat. Overall, your thoughts on the fight before the shitty score? No, I don't have any. The shitty score pretty much ruins it. 
Uh, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. Uh, I must really like talking to Mark and Robert. Uh, yeah, this is just epidemic of what we expect from, you know, boxing, from Canelo. It's just a lot of bullshit. It's, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, again, eight, so eight to four or seven to five is, again, the prevailing kind of thought through a lot of people that have watched this. I, I disagree pretty clearly. Um, I'd have to rewatch it to potentially see if I can even justify a scorecard for Alvarez. And, I mean, oh. there might be an argument in there somewhere, but uh, there's, again, at the moment, there's just a lot of, hey, this is the guy who's... I mean, look, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Given what DAZN is paying Alvarez to be the host of his fights like this, yeah, they're not risking that investment. They're paying him a boatload of money, mm-hmm. and you're trying to utilize his name to drive up their subscriptions. If you guys think that in, that anyone's beating him without actually knocking him out, and even then, that again, we joked that might be ruled a draw, that's probably true. All right, you're gonna have to do something special to actually beat that guy. Not because you can't, not because he's unbeatable, but because of the situation surrounding him at the moment. This Pat- dude's more politically connected than the Kennedys and the mob. So let me ask you, Pat. Top three guys, real quick. Just, just spat them right off. I don't need a reason. Top three guys that can undermine this whole thing and knock Canelo out. Uh, I don't know that there are any. Okay. Pretty safe bet then. <laughs> uh, depending uh, depending on the weight class, yeah, there's probably not too many that. I mean, the reality is that in the weight classes he competes at, real one punch, you know, kind of serious firepower isn't the biggest concern. It, it's just not all that common. And no, the guys fought, who do have he fought, it, he fought the biggest puncher at 160 already, yeah. and went the distance with him twice. You yeah, know, he fought, a, he fought a good, not great puncher tonight, and went the distance with him. At 168, there's not really anybody who jumps out as, oh, this guy's a real one-punch killer uh, type of guy who could knock him out potentially. But 175, where he's not going to go because he cannot be protected there from the talent that's there. All right. Well, that is our coverage of Canelo versus Jacobs, such as it was. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, yeah, fuck boxing, but I, you know, I still, no, I like talking to you too, he's part of it. I, I, I like talking to you guys, too, and so as silly as some of these fights are, I still enjoy doing them, you know. And, hey, look, I am a, I am a whore for content, as they say, so There's very there's few guys who have gotten as many gift decisions in high-profile situations as Canelo has. And a weird thing that's happened that it appears to be boxing is now more corrupt than the, than the uh, UFC. Really, the UFC, the UFC. It's had Canelo more... and Sugar Ray. They're the ones that uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. I should clarify that. I don't want Leonard. Yeah, Leonard's Leonard's got the decision over uh, Hagler is obviously terrible. Oh God, it's that's such a bad. There was the draw in the rematch with Thomas Hearns that everybody acknowledges. Thomas Hearns won. Uh, you've got Hector Camacho, who got a staggering amount of gift decisions during his career. Uh, Vinny Pazienza would be another guy who got a good amount of gift decisions. Um, you know, those are the ones that jump out as far as guys who won fights they shouldn't have. But Canelo's probably at the top of that list by now, to be honest. I mean, he's especially, gotten, he's especially, gotten this. God. He's gotten this. He had the two fights with Golovkin, the fight with Irislandi Lara, uh, 
you know, even the fight with Austin Trout was at least close, and he got a pretty wide nod in that. Um, but, you know, if you're talking the four biggest fights he's had other than Floyd Mayweather, and he got the decision in all of them when he should have lost all of them. Well, what can one say? Except you can check out our coverage of Avengers Forever on Source Material, our roundtable discussion. We broke format on Damn You Hollywood this past week uh, for Avengers Endgame. Uh, there was no Metal Hammer of Doom this past week. However, myself and Jesse Starcher did a TV party tonight for Season 2 of The Orville. Uh, and then myself and Alexis Haina did a TV party tonight for the second part of season one for the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Uh, next week, we've got Secret Invasion as Marvel Event Month is off and running. We've got Secret Invasion coming up, Civil War II, Blood Ties, and World Are you going to read War anything Hulk. good? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Secret Invasion, Civil War II, Blood Ties, and World War Hulk. The, All right, well, World, World War Hulk is not dead. Uh, we were, I hope you like the sentry, Mark. We were going to do Fear Itself, but uh, the, the night that we are recording Blood Ties, my wife is uh, nominated for a teaching award, so I won't be there. So instead, we're, Jesse Starcher and company are doing Blood Ties, uh, and then we, again, we, we find our, the last event, Marvel crossover event that we're looking at for the month of May is World War Hulk. We've also got TV parties coming up for Cobra Kai and She-Ra Season 2, and the Metal Hammer of Doom returns with Battle Beast, no more Hollywood endings. Uh, the following week, myself, Alexis Haina, and a very irritated Robert Winfrey are going to review Detective Pikachu. Well, we're going to review it. Robert Winfrey's just going to host the show. I don't know if he's going to actually say anything about the movie because he doesn't want to go see it. Detective wait, Pikachu. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold, ow, wow, wow, static. Ow, jeez, feedback. What was that? Detect no, I'm not doing this joke with you. Nope. I'll see Detective Pikachu. That looks hysterical. Yes, it does. Jeez, um, what is with my... Hang on, i got to check my... You guys can still hear me, right? My internet's not going out? I don't want to do this bit with you. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off. Wise ass. Okay, I can, I can hear you, and apparently you can hear me, so okay, I guess we're good. Detective Pikachu. And there's that feedback again. I don't understand. <laughs> Hang on. No, 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 wait, wait. Let me check my settings. I want to make sure my mic's not weird. Moving on. Um, speaking of Cobra Kai, we're reviewing the new White Snake on Wednesday, May fifteenth. Good old flesh and blood. Fantastic stuff. When I saw them live, have you have you seen yeah, them live yet? Boy, boy, David Coverdale can put on a good show. Oh, did I tell you their their uh, their new version of Bad Boys kicks ass? I did listen to it, because they played it, and it was pretty darn good. Yes, sir. Our May entry into the on-trial docket is the Disney iteration of The Three Musketeers, starring Oliver Platt. We'll be doing oh, that. what? We'll be doing that on May 16th. Really? How dare you give Oliver Platt top billing out of that cast? Seriously, no, how dare you? First of all, as Porthos, he's fantastic. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying you've all... that. That particular, for those unfamiliar, that particular movie also stars Chris O'Donnell, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, and Tim Curry. Yep. The one I remember is, is Oliver Platt. Okay, and let me just explain why that movie's great. 
there's a very bad song in it by the trio of Rod Stewart, Brian Adams, who's my personal friend and member of the Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Sting, called All for One and All for Love. Uh, one particular summer night, I believe it was sometime in the late 90s, early 2000s, that all kind of blends together. I may have been walking around my old neighborhood, 40 ounce in hand, uh, with some friends singing the chorus to that song over and over again. Fantastic. Uh, the following week, we've got our... Uh, Rebecca oh, DeMornay's in that, too. We've got What's some... that? Rebecca DeMornay's in the movie. We've also got John Wick coverage coming up. We've got a damn you, Holly. Yeah, nobody for... cares about that. You're talking about one of the best movies ever made. God so... damn it. John Wick you know, 3, Parabellum. Um, I also grew a bad beard, so I would look like Kiefer Sutherland in that movie because I had a similar hair thing going on. And I used to walk around and, like, when I would go to pick up a random chick... I'd be like, Sabine. Terrific. Yeah, you showed me that picture. You'd look eerily like him in that movie. It's kind of freaky. <laughs> May 22nd, Metal Hammer of Doom, Ilvidi, uh, the new Ilvidi album. And then we're doing a long road to ruin for the previous two John Wick albums. And then just penciled into the calendar, um, Zach Efron's playing Ted Bundy in a Netflix movie. I watched uh, that today. Well... Robert and I are actually going to talk about it. You're certainly welcome to join us, as always. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. We're going to do a TV party talking about that movie on May 24th, unless I've got other things to do. Um, the, and then the last week of May finishes up with our damn you Hollywood coverage of Aladdin. We'll be reviewing Ugh. the new Sworn Enemy. Alexis Haina will be joining me for a TV party tonight discussing the final season and to a degree, the series at large of Game of Thrones. Um, we take a break on Friday the 31st, and we're back in action on June 1st, the day before my birthday. Happy birthday to me. We're going to.